The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right. We are so, so thankful that you're here with us this morning or watching online. Uh, and I'm extra excited because I have a special guest I get to introduce today, which is my dad. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. So I have to make some jokes because I'm trying to hold it together because my family knows I, as I get older, I just have become like a little baby crying all the time uh, when I'm on the stage. But uh, one of the things my dad said, is there a clock down the front? Uh, and uh, I said, I think so. And then I don't see one, and he can't see that clock back there. So I don't know how long this is going to go, but just, you know, just keep nodding and, and uh, encouraging uh, along the way. Um, but just for introduction, uh, my dad's been a pastor of a church for 43 years, still going strong. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, he started the church when I was little and, um, in, in the Philadelphia area and has been at that same church all these years. And uh, God provided uh, a man to come alongside him just this year now uh, where they're kind of doing a transition thing over the next few years, but 74 years old, he's still going strong. As a matter of fact, we were out in the street yesterday playing football with the grand- his grandkids, my kids, and so he's still throw the ball a long ways. But... Uh, One of the things that I appreciate about my dad, and there's many things uh, that I respect about him, but you'll see as you hear from him today, his, uh, the value he places on the word of God and uh, memorizing scripture that'll just really blow your mind. So uh, you're in for a good treat this morning, and I'm really excited that you guys get to hear him. So welcome my dad. Well, thank you, Tim. Such a great blessing to be at Temple Bible Church again. And uh, we make it a regular practice in our home to pray for Tim and his family and for you and uh, our other children as well who are serving the Lord. We're so blessed. And uh, to have this Thanksgiving together is a special blessing. And uh, we are uh, just giving thanks to God for sure and always. I... uh, came to the Lord Jesus Christ actually through my wife. And we were in high school together, if you can believe that. But uh, we were um, uh, kind of dating. We were really pretty young for that, really. But uh, she was a cheerleader. I was a football player and basketball player and played baseball. And uh, so she invited me to her church. And it was at this church where I saw young people who were uh, alive in Jesus Christ, who loved the Lord. They loved being in church. And I've been in church. I went to church every Sunday in my life up to that point. But uh, I really didn't uh, really enjoy that much. I didn't know Christ. And so it was through this church that I heard the gospel for the first time that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us and to give us the promise of everlasting life. And uh, after hearing that message a few times, I responded in an evangelistic meeting and came and received the Lord into my heart. And you know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I didn't really know exactly what was ahead for me, but I am so thankful for that day. Many, many years ago when I asked Christ, and we saw then the Lord work in our lives. My wife and I uh, dated all through high school, through college, 
Eight years of dating together and, and engagement was the last year and a half or so. So um, when we got married, I was not allowed to be married at the Naval Academy. That's one of the rules, you know, you, you got to be concentrating on the military and those kind of things. So uh, when I graduated on June 5th, we waited until June 8th. We didn't want to rush into anything, you know, and, you know, we've been thinking about this for about eight years. So, but uh, praise the Lord. We're uh, so blessed now to have four children and 15 grandchildren. And uh, every blessing along the way has been from God, and we rejoice in it. Uh, the Lord led me from uh, the Naval Academy to five years of service in the military. I was uh, a destroyer sailor. I was a division officer and um, spent some time in San Diego and Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, then we uh, finished up our Navy time, went to Lynchburg. And uh, we had three children at that time. One was six months old. One was about a year and a half. And the other was about four. And uh, so we said, well, we're just going to, uh, you know, enjoy seminary. I was coaching football at Liberty. I was their second head football coach. And uh, so, you know, I wanted to concentrate on seminary and along came this surprise. And he's been, been surprising me ever since. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? <laughs> yeah, he came along and we were so surprised. There he is. And uh, he's been a surprise ever since. We love Tim, of course, and all of our family. And it's so great to be here. Uh, we're going to begin our uh, time together in the Word today in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. The message is about hope, and we have hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is the God of hope, and uh, He is the God of peace, uh, He is the God of love. And uh, we study today from Luke, chapter 1. And I want to introduce to you. Uh, the visit by Gabriel, who came to visit a man by the name of Zechariah. And uh, it says that the angel uh, Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and spoke to him and gave him a great promise. The promise was that they were going to have a son. Uh, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were, according to the Bible, they were old people. They were not, it was not a norm. This would be an unusual birth, but God said there was going to be a birth. And the birth of this baby, which would be John the Baptist, God describes in verse 15 what he would do. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. I'm, I love all that John the Baptist did. But isn't that a great verse that he would turn the hearts of fathers to their children and then the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. She's old too, in other words. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you, dear God, for the precious truth that changes lives. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to abide with us forever. And for your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, 
We thank you that you have given to us your son to suffer and die for us on the cross of Calvary. We thank you for his death, burial, and the great resurrection of Christ from the dead. We pray that you'll speak to our hearts this morning and help us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The God of hope has given to us the promise of hope. When Tim asked me if I would preach today for uh, the church, I, of course, gladly re, uh, rejoiced in the opportunity. And I began thinking about the word hope and uh, what this word hope means to us, especially today. It seems like there has been an ever-increasing use of this word hope uh, during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. People are looking for a bright spot on the horizon, that breaking up of the clouds and the dawning of brighter days. People are uh, desperate to hear some good news, some word of, of promise that will change the tone of our conversations. I was with uh, my brother's family and my brother yesterday, along with Tim and his family and other family, and um, I started talking with one of our nieces, and she works in a, a healthcare system, and said that she had had more than 20 different COVID tests during these last eight months. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is, <laughs> this is not going in the right direction here. Well, we, we changed the conversation a little bit, but you know, that's the way it is. That's what we talk about. That's what's happening and that's what's real. And people are looking for some answers. They're leaning on these researchers who are laboring long and hard to find that vaccine that will dispel the fear. And all of this happening now as we come through these holidays where we say, and we've, said, we've all said it in these last few days, happy Thanksgiving. And then uh, we come to the Christmas season and we're, we're wishing people a Merry Christmas. And then on into the new year, happy new year. And we ask, well, where is all that? And so I want to share with you today about this God of hope, the God of hope who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ and has given to us the promise of hope even in difficult times. John the Baptist was born of two parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who were way past the childbearing time. And uh, this was a great miracle that God did in those days. And then also we know of another great miracle that took place, and that was of course the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. Gabriel visited Zachariah and Gabriel also visited Mary. He came to Mary and he gave her a promise. The promise was the promise one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that this promise would be that he would come born of a virgin. Mary asked the question, almost the same question that John the Baptist asked. John said, how can this be? And Mary said, how's this gonna happen? How can these things be fulfilled? And the interesting thing is that both of those questions, though they are similar, they're rooted in different degrees of faith. Zechariah didn't have the faith to believe that God could give him a son in his old age. Mary did have faith. She had faith and believed. She trusted God. And her question was not so much that God was going to do it, but her question was, how's this going to happen, Lord? I know this is going to be an amazing thing. And she knew there was a promise in the Bible that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. And uh, she realized that she was that virgin. And God assured her that this son that she was gonna have will be called the son of God. And so she took those words in her heart and in her mind, and instead of doubting, instead of uh, being skeptical, 
and rejecting the message as Zechariah did, the Bible says that Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. Just let me do exactly what you say, Lord. Whatever, whatever you have in store for me, that's exactly what I want to do. God had preceded those words with these words, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. As we think about this hope that Mary had and this hope that John and his wife Elizabeth had lost. They uh, had hoped to have a child. I'm sure they were having plans. They, maybe they even uh, made some plans about having a, a special place for their baby when the baby would come, but they had no children. And for years and years they went on and uh, they had prayed, they had asked God. The Bible says that when Gabriel came to John, uh, John's father, uh, Zechariah, when the angel came, the Lord said through the angel, your prayers have been answered, Zechariah. Your prayers have been answered. But he had lost hope that those prayers would be answered. He had prayed and prayed through the years that God would send them a son. And it never happened. And God brought Gabriel that day and gave him that assurance, that hope was rekindled in his heart. He didn't get it right away. It took him nine months to get it. For nine months, God said, you're not going to be able to speak for nine months because you didn't believe me. I said in the earlier service, Zachariah and Elizabeth had no arguments for the next nine months. Can you imagine that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they did have some, uh, maybe he learned a little sign language over that time. Certainly, he made some facial expressions. But after nine months, the baby was born. And they decided to find out, well, you know, Let's name him after Zechariah. That's a natural thing. You know, name the boy after uh, their only son after the dad. And, uh, and Elizabeth said, no, no, this isn't, this isn't the way it's going to be. His name is John. And they all looked at Zechariah. He couldn't say anything, so they gave him something to write with. And he wrote down, he wrote down, his name is John. <laughs> and as soon as he wrote those names, the Bible says he burst forth into this amazing uh, description of praise to the Lord. And uh, we find it there in Luke also. But let's look at Romans chapter 5 right now. And I want us to look in some detail about this subject of hope. Zechariah and Elizabeth had lost their hope. But Mary maintained her hope through all of that time. Romans chapter 5 says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we read here just a progression of words which speak to us about the most important event that could possibly happen in any person's life. And I told you about it briefly a moment ago about how this happened in my life. Justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came, he died for our sins, he paid the price in full. He hung there on that cross for those six hours. It was dark that day. The Bible says it was dark and Christ became sin for us that day. Even him who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And Christ became our, our, our sal- salvation that, opportun- that day when he died on that cross. And the Bible says he rose again the, that, the third day. And if we put our faith in him, we have peace with God. Sin separates us from God. Sin brings a judgment. Sin brings a judgment on our lives. But through faith, God commendeth or shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is how we gain peace with God, that Christ becomes our Savior. But God says also there's a development here of this important word that we're looking at, and that word is hope. At the end of verse two, it says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And when you're saved, the Bible says you're as sure for heaven as if you were already there. And we rejoice in the hope or the confidence that we have that one day we will be with him. One day we will see him. One day the Bible says that Christ is coming and he will come and take us up to be with him. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. And we get ready for that day when he returns. But until that day, it is the hope that gives us the strength that we need to keep going. And God says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse three says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So as God gives to us this development of hope in our lives, it begins with a burst of hope and salvation and we have this hope or confidence. The word hope is actually a word that means that there is a confident expectation of good that we have, a confident expectation of good. So it's different than the word we use hope today. Usually today, uh, we have a, a, a couple that's getting, uh, having a baby, and uh, before the days when you could find out uh, whether it was a boy or girl, I know my brother had this uh, thought in his mind. Uh, he had had three girls, and they found out that they were having twins. And so someone said to him, so what do you think? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? And, and he said, well, uh, I hope that uh, there'll be a boy there. You know, we've got two coming. So I hope God will give us one boy. And uh, well, uh, that is the way we use hope today. By the way, he had twin girls. So he has five daughters. <laughs> they thought they'd try one more time for a son. And, uh, but that was the idea. The idea was, oh, I hope it's going to be a boy. And, uh, but you know, the way we use the word hope today is not the way the Bible speaks of it. The Bible speaks of hope as a confident expectation of good. A confident expectation of good. So when it comes to being saved, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have this confident expectation of good, that we're going to go to be with the Lord. So he goes further here in a development of another aspect of hope. And he says in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. So we give praise to God for tribulations? Yeah, that's what it says there. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed or never disappoints us. So let's just try to understand a little bit about this hope that God is speaking about. We said that hope is a confident expectation of good. And it's based on, I want to give you three things that that hope is based upon. One is that God is good. God is good. God is good. We say God is good, what? All the time. All the time. There's never a time when God 
is not good. And so we believe and our hope is in this God who is good. Also, we know, according to the Bible, that God is love. First, first John chapter four has one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible. We call First uh, Corinthians 13 the love chapter. But really, if you want to find out more about love, First John chapter four is a great love chapter. And we find there God repeating over and over again, God is love, God is love, God is love. So we know that he's good. We know that he's love. And also the Bible says to us in the word that he is an eternal God. Our God is an eternal God. So we, the Bible says in Isaiah 57 that he inhabits eternity. Our God inhabits eternity. And as the God who inhabits eternity, the Bible says also that our God is all-powerful. He's the almighty, all-loving, always good, eternal God. And this is where our hope is. This is where we place our hope, the God who is eternal. The Bible says that this God who is eternal gives to us salvation, peace with God, Grace comes by, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This gives us that eternal salvation. But also, hope is developed further. And he says, we are uh, giving praise to God for tribulations, trials, hardships, and difficulty. Isn't that an odd thing? Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. It's not necessarily the natural thing that comes from our heart, is it? It's not exactly the thing that really just springs forth. It has to be something that's based upon faith. It has to be faith that says, praise the Lord. I remember when we were in Lynchburg, we, uh, the church there was, is Thomas Rowe Baptist Church. And in those days, they had a very large bus ministry. They had 20 or so buses going out and picking kids and families up for Sunday school and church. And uh, there was a breakdown on one of the buses. And so this one fellow decided he was going to paint a sign on his bus. And the sign said, praise the Lord anyhow. After the breakdown of the bus, that is. Praise the Lord anyhow. And uh, so we have to learn that part about praising God in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of our trials. First Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice evermore pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when we walk with God, whatever is happening in my life, I know, I know that God is in control. My God is in control, so I give him praise even in times of tribulation. Verse three, we, we glory in tribulations knowing, uh, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So there is a purpose behind the trials. There is a purpose behind the difficulties and the hardships. I was recalling this morning about one of the hardships that Tim and, and Jenny and John and Donna, our children, went through and I went through when uh, those, uh, our children were our teenagers. They were all teenagers at the same time at that particular time. And, and um, we found out that my wife was having some trouble with her throat, so she went in for an examination and um, scheduled another, another appointment, a follow-up appointment. Uh, the ear, nose, and throat doctor uh, saw this lump on her throat and said, on her neck and said, I don't, I don't like this. I, I, we gotta get a, this thing tested. So they got it tested, 
and found out that it was a very aggressive form of cancer. And uh, we uh, were concerned and our doctor, ear, nose, and throat doctor was concerned. Uh, we called the doctor who would perform the operation. They said, well, uh, we can do that in two months. And uh, I appreciated my doctor, our ear, ear, nose, and throat doctor. He said, no, 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 we're not waiting for three months for this or two months for this. And so he called one of his friends. He said, okay, we can do it. He said, what about, uh, I think it was November 13th. It was a Friday. They said, we got it set for Friday the 13th. Are you superstitious? I said, there's not a superstitious bone in my body. I said, do it. Let's, let's do it. And uh, it was a successful surgery. And my wife is, is actually here in town today also. Praise the Lord. We're so thankful. We give God praise and glory. It doesn't always happen that way, does it? We don't always see it the way we would like to see it. But God says we are to give thanks in all of our tribulations and all of our trials. James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, uh, begins this way. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire or complete, wanting nothing. So the thanks is not what we're going through and we don't uh, love pain, we don't love sorrow, we don't love agony, we don't love losing our job, uh, we don't love COVID-19, but we do love God and we do love to trust in him. And God says there's a reason why we go through trials. And he says, let the trying of your faith bring forth patience, he says. Let the trying of your faith. So the trying of our faith perfects us. It grows us. We grow. You'll not grow in, in, uh, in any other way, in a greater way, than when you go through trials. If we respond correctly to our trials, God says, let patience have her perfect work, the developing work, the maturing work. We don't want to stay babes. We don't want to stay as little children spiritually. We want to grow up. And growing up spiritually comes through trials, tribulations. So we give thanks for tribulation because tribulation works patience. And patience brings that maturity into our lives that God desires. That maturity that's going to help somebody else. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, blessed be God, uh, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So we go through trial. God gives us comfort. And God says, look around. There's somebody else that you can help. There's somebody else you can visit. There's somebody else you can call. You can text. You can tell them how much God has blessed you and the tribulation that you've gone through. And you've gotten grace from him. God has given you grace like never before. And now he wants you to share it. It's time to share. So we give God thanks because of tribulation, which brings to us patience. And he says, Patience brings experience, verse 4, and patience experience, and experience with experience comes hope. The experience that God is speaking about here in the Word of God is the process of proving, the process of God proving himself and the testing and proving of our own lives. And so we get the experience of seeing God at work, 
This experience that we have of seeing God at work gives us confidence. Our God, our God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we learn to put our eyes on him and we keep our eyes focused on him during these trials so that we can help others and we can continue to praise his name. We give him praise and glory. This experience brings hope. So this is a development of hope in our lives. And God says, hope maketh not a shame. That means that this hope will never disappoint you. God will never disappoint you. God will never let you down. God is always faithful. He's always true to his word. And you can know, even though your heart is breaking because of what you're going through, you can know that God is there. God is there. He's the God of a second chance. He's the God of strength for us. He's the God of power and might. He's the God of love. He's the eternal God who has promised to help us during these times of trial. Well, Mary and uh, Zechariah responded in two different ways. Uh, Zechariah's response was one, well, how are you going to do this? How can this be? It was really a response of unbelief. And for nine months, he had some time to think about his response. And uh, he came through with some great words of faith there when the baby was born. But it wasn't easy for them. It never was easy. Zechariah and Elizabeth had a son who was, uh, according to the Bible, a burning and shining light. He came on the scene to tell others about the Messiah. And he proclaimed his the son, their son proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He stood for righteousness. He stood for godliness. And he also stood for the home. And, and uh, when he uh, saw the king, the local king had taken his brother's wife as his wife and John wouldn't stand for it. And so that king had John put in prison. John was put in prison and he died as a result of his faith. It didn't seem to turn out that great. But Zachariah and Elizabeth had gotten the faith they needed to bring them through that trial as well. And we don't know that they were living at the time. It was just a few years after his birth, he became a preacher of righteousness. What about Mary? Her faith was strong. What did she say when God said, you're going to have a son? She wanted to know how God was going to do it. God said, you're going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, I read that passage, I think, Okay, that tells me how God did it. But how did he do it? <laughs> you know, it tells me I know God did this. I know what he did. But even after she got her explanation, no one can fathom this. Who can possibly fathom that the Son of God was born of a virgin? No one can fathom that. But he was. And he was because, and we know that he was. And because he was, the Bible says he was sinless. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, she believed, and God gave her great hope through those words of Gabriel. But the Bible also tells us that Mary was there that day when Jesus was lifted up on the cross. The other disciples had scattered, but there was one there by the name of John, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle. And John was standing there, and he was with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus went and he turned to John and he said, behold, thy mother. And he turned to Mary and said, behold, thy son. And you know, God gave to John that responsibility of caring for Jesus's mother. Wonderful words of our Lord, amen, caring for his mother, even at the time of his death. 
But also, these were wonderful words for us to know that even though God, listen, God had told Mary this wonderful word of hope and what glorious things would happen, but he also said what would happen to her. And God says to us in the Gospel of Luke there that someone spoke up and said, you're going to have a sword that's going to go through your heart. When you find out what men are really like, Mary, there's going to be a sword that goes through your heart. And that was exactly what happened. It was, the, it was the sword that she experienced that day when she was look, looking up at her, her son hanging there on that cross that day and blood dripping from his hands and his feet and then from his side. And, and there, his, his mother right there seeing all of that, all of us can identify with it. We understand what it's like, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. There are words of hope that she was given. But God does not promise that it's going to be easy. Oh, dear friends, listen. God wants to comfort you. He wants to help you in your time of need. He wants to bring you close to him. He wants to get you to learn his voice, his still, small voice as he speaks through his word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and God will help you through those times. There are going to be those times, aren't there? Would you say amen? We're all going to have them. You need this presence of God through his word by his spirit to help you through it. And God will bring you hope in the most difficult circumstances of life. Our God will be there to help you. I want us to pray together right now. Would you bow with me? as we pray. Our God, our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God of hope. We thank you, dear Lord, that you're the one, and you're the only one who can help us during times of difficulty and sorrow, tribulation and trouble. We thank you that you're the God who is near. You're the God who is near to us. You're the God who is real. And you said you would never leave us and you would never forsake us. And now we're coming to you for help. And we're bowing together now in prayer. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed in a time of prayer, I'd like to ask you today, how many of you would say, Pastor Cartwright, right now I'd like to ask for prayer for myself. I have needs like this. God has spoken to my heart today. And I'm just asking for prayer. I, I just need this God, this God of hope uh, to help me. And I'm asking for prayer. We're going to have prayer in just a moment. But if that's a need in your life today and God has spoken to you directly and you'd like us to pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you lift your hand for prayer? Just hold it up and say, pray for me, Pastor Carre. God has spoken to my heart today and I'm asking for prayer. I need some help. I need some people praying for me right now. And I'm asking for it. Yes, amen, amen. All over this room. Anybody else just say, yes, pray for me. God has spoken to my heart. Yes, thank you. May put your hand down. Thank you. Amen, amen. Maybe you're here not saved. You say, Pastor Carver, I don't even know for sure that I have the promise of everlasting life. If I die today, I don't know for sure that I will go to heaven. But I'd like to be remembered in prayer today. Is there someone like that? You say, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. I'd like to be saved and sure of heaven. Pray for me today also. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's your desire today, would you lift your hand? Just hold it up high. You say, yes, pray for me. God has spoken to my heart today. I don't know where I'm going, 
but I'd like to know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand for a prayer if that's your need? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. We're going to have prayer. I'm going to have prayer right now. If you need Jesus as your Savior, pray this simple prayer to the Lord. Oh, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe, Jesus, that you rose again from the dead. I'm so sorry that you had to die for my sins. Please forgive me. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and save me today. Please give me this gift of eternal life. If you're praying that simple prayer of faith today, give him thanks. Praise his name. For what he said he would do, he will do. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heads are bowed. We're praying together. And we're going to pray now for these who are saved people who said, yes, remember me today. Remember me in your closing prayer, Pastor. Heavenly Father, we come to you now as the God of all comfort. We thank you that you're the God of grace. You're the God of glory. And you're the God of hope. We pray to you now and we ask you in Jesus' name that you'll minister to these, Lord, these who have made their requests known. We pray that the comfort of your spirit will flood their soul. May the comfort of the scriptures be real to them. May the comfort of your son, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, be present with them always. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.